0: The following is a presentation of the Matt Talk Podcast Network.
1: Kick off the 2020 NCAA Division I Championships on Wednesday, March 18th at the 7-7 pregame party presented by J-Rob Wrestling Camps and Track Wrestling. The private space at the barn at Cowboy Jackson, Minneapolis is the perfect spot for wrestling fans to start the tournament. So get your friends together to celebrate the biggest tournament of the year. Socialize, have drinks, enter raffle prizes, and listen to personalities with connections to the wrestling world discuss how the greatest sport in the world has impacted their lives. Guests include Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer, wrestling legend Dan Gable, Wrestle Like a Girl founder Sally Roberts, and more. Event proceeds will be donated to Take Down Cancer, an initiative of the Randy Shaver Cancer Research and Community Fund. Tickets are on base to be sold out by event day, so don't wait any longer. Visit 7in7party.com to buy tickets today.
2: Welcome to On The Mat. I am Kyle Klingman of Track Wrestling along with Andy the Cougar Hamilton. And we've come out of a big, big weekend of wrestling. Actually two weekends and a little bit more coming up. And there's been some great names coming out of this too. One of them is Cougar out of the state of Oklahoma. Also Speedy. So a couple great names coming out of the great state of Oklahoma.
1: Why'd you pick Cougar for me instead of Speedy?
2: Uh, I thought about maybe combining them, but Cougar just really felt right. It it was just more of a, a feeling. But you are Speedy. You are more fast twitch than you are long endurance athlete. You're a fast twitch athlete. I've seen that firsthand. You think so, huh? Yeah, you've actually got pretty good speed when you get going. I don't know how long it can last, but you do have pretty good speed when I'm when not necessary. Mr.
1: Fast Twitch, though.
2: Well, <laughs> that's only one person, and that's AJ Ferrari, <laughs> which we didn't get a chance to see him in the postseason. Didn't get so, a chance to see him all season. Yeah, so I, I don't know what happened. I don't know why we didn't get to see AJ Ferrari, but... The next time we'll likely be in an Oklahoma State singlet as far as folk style competition. Maybe he's at a tournament this year. I hope he's at USA Wrestling Folk Style Nationals in Cedar Falls, Iowa. But we'll have to see. What were your memories of the state wrestling tournament weekend? We can go with nicknames. We can go with names. We can go with all kinds of stuff. But there ha- had to have been something that stood out for you.
1: So many things. Just name a state, and I can probably tell you.
2: Let's go Oklahoma. We'll start there.
1: Tuttle goes 37-7 and in the tournament, 11 in the finals, nine champs, right? Yeah. Incredible performance.
2: How about California? Let's go there. 48-man brackets. So those who don't know, 48-man brackets, one class. If you win the state championships, you are the man. There were, what, 27 nationally ranked wrestlers, in the state of California, at the state tournament, and it was had that vibe of a national tournament feel. It felt that way just when you're watching it.
1: So California for me would be Raymond Lopez-Ethan Perriman, 18-15 in the quarterfinals, maybe high school match of the year. Just a bizarre match where, where Raymond Lopez got a pin, and then they wiped it off. Said it was an illegal hold, so I, I don't know that I've ever seen a pin reversed in my life, but that was the first. Then they wipe it, you know. They resume the match, and absolute mayhem in the third period. The final sixty-four seconds, sixteen points scored, and Raymond Lopez wins it on a gator roll for five in the final seconds to come back and win eighteen fifteen, and then. You know, trying to recover that match footage because the table workers stopped recording when the when the fall was called. So there, there's a lot going on with that one. And then, of course, uh, Jesse Vasquez went in his fourth. Chase Saldate turning in an amazing performance going through the tournament with five pins and a 14-0 major. I've never seen anything like it at a California state tournament where someone's been that dominant. But man, he cemented himself as a national number one.
2: Are you going to bring up Andrew Sparks? Andrew Sparks, wow. Your name plus Shane Sparks' name, it almost doesn't seem real. But what he did doesn't seem real in a way. He had an unbelievable tournament.
1: Comes in unranked nationally and beats number 4, Kale Valencia, 7-1, in complete control from start to finish in the finals. And, man, like, you know, there were some guys that became stars in our eyes this weekend. He was or the past three weeks, I should say, but he was definitely one of them.
2: Not sure how many people have the opportunity to do this. I hope that people will take this as a challenge to do this, but with all of these state wrestling championships on the track wrestling platform, just being able to watch them in their uniqueness. So not that we are (laughs) capable of watching everything all the time, but being able to... Watch California, 48-man bracket, and then watch Wyoming, and then the week before, watch Georgia, watch Alabama, watch Virginia. Pretty much separate everything. Some of them look like high school gymnasiums because they are high school gymnasiums. Some of them are big arenas. Some you don't get to see fans in the backdrop, Wyoming being one of those. There were fans there, but you just saw maybe more of a uh, – big shed door in the background. So just the vibe, the flavor, why some states allow seventh graders to compete, why some have seven classifications like Georgia, and then a state like California just does one. It's just Fun to be able to see those side by side by side by side throughout the course of the weekend and just see how it gets executed. And not only that, how the table workers run. Some zoom in, some don't move the camera, some were a little out of focus. You just get a flavor for how each executes the tournament. And that's why we brought up Speedy and Cougar because they were two names at the Oklahoma State Championships. And you see the cowboy hats in the background, and you see shorts wearing cowboy hats, I and mean, just a lot of different flavor. And you get the identity of each state. And that's one of the most fun things that I've experienced in this sport, just seeing all of that all at once.
1: In Georgia, you get people walking in front of cameras, you get parents going <laughs> wild out on the mat, you get kids yelling some interesting stuff in the background it is a hodgepodge it's certainly not a cookie cutter format from one state to the next and that's what makes it beautiful i think i mean just you know being able to flip from one state to the next and see how they operate and what what kind of pageantry they
2: have that goes with their state tournament or lack thereof it's just a lot of fun and then you also get to see firsthand so Everyone talks about this, and you know it's true, and it's, it's not hard to see, but you also see how these guys that are really good getting to the next level, how hard that is because you get to see a really good guy in Kansas. You saw two good guys in Kansas that duked it out, and Cade Lout and Kyle Haas. That was a great match too, but you see all of these good guys, and then you just mash them into potentially D1, And they may run through the state championships, but then you meet all the good guys from different states. You just see how that plays out, that it's really hard to make it to the next level when everyone's good. Everyone's a state champ. Everyone has unique skill sets and how you are having that ability. And then you mash them into four years of college and then to get to be the top eight and then to get to the number one spot how insanely hard that is. We alluded to that to last show, but you just see that where there's a good guy in Virginia, Wyoming, California, and then at some point they're all going to come together and the best man's going to win. Or girl in this situation, because we have the women's nationals coming up. And so the proliferation of women's wrestling too, and you see how good they're getting as well. It's just fun to see all of that. And you just get a firsthand look at why it's so hard to get on the podium at D1s. Yeah, it becomes more and more
1: apparent the more that we watch, right? Yeah. It really does. You take a state like California and what do we say? 22,600 ish participants last year in high school wrestling and 48 wrestlers per weight class. So there's, there's, what did we figure out the math to be? Was it 1600? I, I think so. 1600 wrestlers per weight class and only 40 of them make it, 48 of them make it to state tournament. And that's just one state. Yeah. One state. And then you break it down to all the athletes that are going to go on, you know, the the select few that are going to make it to division one. And then the select few from that, that are going to make it into the national tournament. And then you boil it down to eight. And then, you know, that's how many makes a stand. And then really underlines how incredible it is just to become an all American, let alone a national champion.
2: And then you go even further when we're thinking about the Olympic trials come up. So you take that, and then you shrink it down to six weight classes, and then you shrink it down even more, and then you have Kyle Snyder and Jaden Cox trying to get an Olympic spot, (laughs) and they're the best of the best of the best. So they're the 1% of the 1% of the 1%, and they're going to have to find out who the... (laughs) who the best is in that weight class. And it's going to happen too here. We have David Taylor on the show. We haven't had a chance to talk to him since 2018 and haven't even talked to him since he won the world championships. But here's the situation too. He's coming back from injury. We get a chance to see him at the Pan Am championships. How is he going to do? But we'll catch up. Pan Am Olympic Games qualifier. That's Pan Am. So we have the Pan Am Championships, and then after that, a week later is the Pan Am Olympic qualifier, and that is what David Taylor is in. So uh, get to see Jordan Burroughs and some others coming up this weekend. But man, just final thoughts before we get to maybe a couple other things on the college scene about the the high school season that we just saw. Just
1: really enjoyed it, Kyle. Just being able to flip on you know Saturday night, we had the big screen on and had. 14 matches going at once. And it still felt like we were missing some stuff. I mean, there's just such a huge volume of tournaments on track wrestling now, now upwards of what is it? Close to 50. I think 50 state championship events that we streamed this year, 28 states in the last two weeks, saw some people develop in front of our eyes that we didn't know a whole lot about. We've named a few of them already But just was really cool to be able to dive into it a little bit deeper than what we have. And we've been following it pretty closely all season, but just to be able to really sink our teeth into it for probably 12, 13 days total over the course of three weeks. Study the names, follow the matches, and there's stuff we missed. I mean, like... The issue with the shoe being untied in the final second of regulation in New York in the state final. Was it a stall? Was it not? You know, that match continuing, going to overtime. A lot of controversy surrounding that. A lot of controversy surrounding the, the uh, disqualification of Alex Facundo up in Michigan in the state duels. There's no shortage of storylines. We saw four timer in Iowa, you know, four time hopeful in Iowa lose You know, getting turned in the final seconds against a fellow undefeated returning state champion. You know, we saw a freshman in Wisconsin, Braden schools take out, uh, Wisconsin bound Aiden Madora, who's going for his third title in an absolutely incredible action packed match that ended on a wild scramble in overtime after a takedown of 15 seconds to go to tie it to Force OT. Just incredible. How much action we saw, how many great storylines. Man, it was, it was so entertaining. And hopefully next year we can raise the bar a little bit more even with our coverage and bring more of these stories to the forefront and just showcase what an incredible product that high school wrestling is across the country. And, you know, you might not be locked into. Some people are going to be locked into their state or or certain wrestlers. But, you know, when you follow it from a 30,000 foot view like we did and try to take it all in and study the biggest storylines, it's it's pretty entertaining.
2: And when you say that, you just say the storylines we miss, it just it floods over you like. Greg Diakamahalas wins five. Nash Hutmaker 73 pins in a row. I think it's South Dakota, an eighth grader at 195 pounds, won the state championship. So you just start thinking about it. You can go on and on and on, and the storylines don't end. And I think that's the best part of it is that they don't end. And the flood of, of people that were engaged in it and that sent us pictures and videos and suggestions on social media of, look at this clip, or would you post this, and just being able to have that opportunity, I think that was one of the most rewarding parts, too, is that the fan engagement was as high as I've ever seen. And I think high school has that space more than any that you don't necessarily see people jumping in the coaches' arms at major tournaments across the country. It's your state tournament because you have that identity with your school, and there's an attachment to it, and you just saw it play out. So... Can't wait until next year. Still have a couple more tournaments on the platform coming up this weekend. But to have them all like this in the last couple of weeks, it's been one of the best experiences I've had in wrestling. And as we transition into what we have coming up, a lot of college flavor coming up. We had Division Three and Division II qualifiers. Hope people are checked into that because there's so many good things that came out of that and for those who don't know, Division 2 and Division 3 you qualify 18 for the national tournament. There are six regionals. It's straight across the board, not like D1 where there it's weighted and you have a system that probably gets the best wrestlers there. It's straight. You got to place them in the top 3 to get to the national tournament. And in thinking about that, not sure it's the best way to get the the best wrestlers to the tournament. It might be in some ways a fair way because each region gets three wrestlers through, but if you took the Big Ten and you said, we're just going to give you three wrestlers, you're going to leave a ton of good wrestlers at home. And that's essentially what happened in a D3 regional. You had the the lower Midwest regional where you had number one Loris, number two Wartburg and number five Co all in the region. And then just a lot of good teams around that. And some other regions, maybe the best team was a top 15, top 18 team. So I know there's some controversy about how you do that, how you make it the best possible system to get the best wrestlers there. I'd like to see it go to 32. I'm sure the coaches would, too. How does that change the dynamic of a two-day tournament, which D2 and D3 is? But I think something needs to be done. No doubt, because you had, what,
1: top two teams in Loris and Warburg. The two teams that finished season one and two in the Division Three rankings, plus Co was the top five team. All three jammed in the same regional. Warburg had, what, two guys that were ranked... I think what three and four for the majority of the season, plus a champion from 2018 who didn't qualify. There's some good wrestlers from other schools that got left behind as well. And ultimately, what what we want is to see you know the best 18 wrestlers in the country at each weight class at the Division Three National Championships. And right because it skews team points too, right? Yeah, it's gonna
2: it does. No doubt alter it does. That. I mean, Wartburg has five right now. And realistically, it's a two-team race now on paper between Loris and Augsburgs. Another team could sneak in there. But it looks like those are the two teams that are going to compete for that national championship. So hopefully something can be done. I, I don't know what it is. I know that Jim Makofsky at Minnesota State Mankato suggested three regionals. Top six from each region. I can see how that would spread it out a little bit more. And you get some of the, the good wrestlers making sure they get to that, that point. But you have almost no room for error. You either have to go undefeated or you have to have one loss. I mean, <laughs> to get third, it's, it's a tough deal. And so you can't get to that consolation finals match and, and think that it's, not anything but the ultimate importance it places so much importance on that match so hopefully we can navigate that situation and just uh, one of the stories I like that uh, was told to me by Jason Borelli at Stanford I don't know if you remember this would have been about 20 years ago there was a wrestler named Todd Sermon he Mm -hmm. won Midlands Died in Vegas a few days later, I believe it was in 2000, and he passed away, went to Stanford. His parents still are engaged with the the Stanford wrestling program. They go to every dual meet at home and on the road. That was 20 years ago, and it's their way to feel connected to their son. And to me, that's the power of the sport, the power of wrestling that... They're willing to drive around the country to support Stanford Wrestling, even though their son has been gone for 20 years. And love that and just got confirmation. I'd heard that from Jason Borelli a few years ago, and they said they're still going to the meets even to this day. So those are the stories. Those are the things that I think are unique to wrestling that one individual can make that big of an impact. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, love hearing that. What do you say we get to... David Taylor, haven't talked to him in a while Let's catch up Let's bring in the Magic Man Our guest is 2018 World Champion Two-time NCAA Champion Four-time Finalist, David Taylor How are you, Dave?
0: I'm doing great, guys, thanks
2: We could use the moniker Magic Man, but I'd like to know first when you got that nickname, do you remember when it was and the circumstances?
0: I get asked that question a lot Um, and I think when, when I grad my senior year in high school, a guy did a documentary on me, it's called Magic Man of the Mat. I think at that time, you know, Magic Man was kind of like starting to become more prominent of a nickname for me, but I feel like that was kind of when it started sticking. And then once I got to college, um, actually when I made my Twitter account, I made a Magic Man underscore PSU. And then I feel like just with, my personality and the way that I wrestled and the kind of the, the things I did when I was wrestling uh, magic man became um, almost as frequent as people calling me David or David Taylor. I was like his magic man, especially with the Penn state fans. And I feel like it's kind of just taken off from there.
2: What is your social media presence done for you as far as how you engage with fans? Are you able to interact with them through social media? Do you get a lot of requests? How do you handle all that?
0: I could probably do a better job, you know to be honest. um I just my platform you know I try and use as as much to be you know transparent with with my followers, just about you know my training and my mindset, you know I think that's uh probably where I feel like I get the most messages or people relating to what I'm going through, you know, they're like, well, man, your, your, your motivational message, you know, re- really related to me as I was preparing and I was able to like change the way that I was thinking, and, you know, or dad's texting me, you know, um, you know, or kids texting me during the competitions and asking about their different sorts of things. And honestly, recently just getting a lot of people asking, um, you know, how to deal with, you know, overcoming injuries and staying positive with their mindset. So I think that's, what's cool about social media. I mean, it's pretty wild that, You know, we're just kind of documenting our daily thing, but in doing so, you know, it's amazing. Like hundreds of thousands of people see that, you know, so they know, you know, they know like if you're, you know, what you're doing and kind of staying current with you. So you can, um, you know, I feel like for someone with their platform, you know, if they're using it, you know, on a continual basis, it's just a good way to kind of keep people updated on how you're doing, what you're thinking. And, um, obviously how your preparation is going leading up to events.
2: And then there was one post where I think the rock retweeted it. What went into that? How did that happen?
0: So I was, I was training with coach Calvita with the training lab. Um, you know, I've been training, he's been doing my strength conditioning for going on 12. I started working with them when I went up to 86 kilos. So, I mean, really it's, you know, four and a half years of, you know, the relationship I built with him. And I try and go out there every three or four months, um, and just update on what I'm doing. And I spent some time out there you know, during my recovery process and we are going to this grinder of a workout, you know, and I, I really look up to the rock. And you know, I think he does a social media. I think he does a fantastic job. I really enjoy following him, you know, and just his journey and, and obviously how he, he handles and balances everything he does. Um, so I always look up to him, you know, to an extent. And uh, he, he kind of always talks about rent being due, you know, and putting the time in and putting the work in. You know, he's obviously, you know, avid uh, in terms of working out and staying physical, you know, with this physical fitness. So I, I, after that workout was done, I actually, I just my phrase, you know, as the Rock would say, "rents due." You know, putting my time in now, and uh, he happened to see it and retweeted it, which is pretty crazy. You know, obviously he's getting you know, however many mentions and comments that he's getting on a daily basis. We all
2: see that was pretty awesome. Your dad was in that picture. How often does he work out with you?
0: No, that was my trainer. That was, oh, it was, that was your Coach trainer. Cal. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, my dad's not in that good of shape. Okay. He was. He's <laughs> not. You know, Coach Cow is amazing. You know, he he obviously has had a huge impact on me just in, in my training. Um, but just you know, we look up to him. All all the all the training athletes. You know, Coach Cal can do whatever we can do. You know, his story has been pretty amazing. You know, he started as a bodybuilder. You know, and was you know one of the strongest men in the world, you know, has now transitioned to a uh, triathlete, you know? So he actually is, so in, triath- in in the world of triathlon, you you can basically, kind of the pinnacle is, is, is the, the Ironman in uh, in Kona, Hawaii, and you can pay to get there or you can basically, um, I think it's a legacy where you have to like compete in so many Ironmen where you can earn your spot. You know, Coach Cal has actually, you know, he's earned his spot, you know, after competing and he only picks the hardest ones. Like the ones where you, you dive in the water and you get, he calls a popsicle brain, you know, he doesn't take easy ones. So, you know, when we go out and train, like he trains with us and you know, he puts us through his workouts, he's training. So at that time, uh, we actually did our workout together. We had this like one hour bike ride, which was just such a grind, but, you know, looking over and him, you know, he go, he's going as much, going through as much pain as I am, you know, so that was a pretty exciting day for me to be able to train with him. David,
1: it's been nine months since we've seen you in competition. How are you feeling physically? How are you feeling mentally?
0: I feel great. You know, I think, you know, obviously this is the first time I've had an extended period of time off the mat, you know, and I think, you know, that's challenging. You know, and obviously a lot of weight, you know, especially, you know, the, the where, where, you know, how I was competing, you know, when I got injured, but, You know, I'm looking forward to obviously getting back on the mat. I'm three weeks, well, actually at this point, two and a half weeks away from having the opportunity to qualify um, our weight class the Olympic Games, the Pan Am Olympic Qualifier, um, five and a half weeks away from the Olympic trials. So, you know, keeping those things on the forefront of my mind this entire time during this process, staying positive. um, But, man, I can't wait to compete. I feel so good. I mean, I feel, um, you know, I I honestly feel like I'm better, stronger, faster than I've ever been. So, you know, I definitely put my time in. Uh, during this time, staying disciplined in every area, you know, focusing on what I control. And, you know, every day I'm better than the day before, you know, which is an exciting thing.
1: Obviously there's some things you can't do during that time period. You're you're probably investing quite a bit of time into to rehab and recovery and stuff like that as well. But what else took up time that, uh, you know, what'd you do with your time that you wouldn't have been using before to ramp yourself up for competition?
0: Uh, honestly, I just, I, I invest a lot of time with my kids at the n2 training center. You know, I think when I got back, um, you know, from my surgery, you know, I just, I was, I was there a lot, um, you know, putting, you know, spending a lot of time with these kids. We had a really consistent group this summer, of, you know, between, between our youth and our junior high school kids, probably 40, 50 kids that were consistent. And, uh, those kids are doing really well right now. You know, they're getting ready. It's, I, I constantly relate to them. You know, I think we have such a unique environment. Um, cause it's not like I'm just a coach coaching them. I'm a competitor who's also coaching them. So, you know, I relate to, you know, my mindset to them constantly, or right now, you know, our junior high kids have their state tournament this weekend, you know, our high school kids have their tournament in two weekends, our, our little kids have their, have their weekend or their, um, their state tournament three weeks. So as I'm getting ready to prepare, they're equally getting ready to you know prepare to go compete right now too. So, you know, we've kind of, we both have put our time in, you know, I put my time in the rehab aspect and and you know preparing my body to get back in here and wrestling with the best guys in the world and these guys are you know putting their time in to compete against the best kids in the state of pennsylvania and we know that the best kids in pennsylvania are the best kids in the country so it's definitely been an exciting time you know monitoring their progress and you know that's really what where i spent the most of my my time that maybe i wouldn't have had you know in the past um was really just it was re- spent you know full-time you know putting, putting good nutrition into my body, focusing on keeping that a main priority. I think when guys get injured, they get lazy and depressed and, you know, they, they don't take their nutrition serious and they get out of shape. So when their time to get back on the mat is they're behind, you know, when I got cleared to get back on the mat, I was ahead in that category. I was in great shape. It was just a matter of, you know, obviously just the, the time of you know, off the mat, you know, getting that timing back. But honestly, I had, you know hundreds and thousands of mental repetitions this summer when I was teaching the kids you know like the technique that we, we wanted to work on, so I felt like that kept my mind really sharp um so it was it was I feel like you know it ended up being a blessing um being able to have the opportunity to work with those guys constantly so um it was uh I feel like it was time well spent.
2: You got injured in a match against Drew Foster at Beat the Streets last year, as Andy mentioned, which was about nine months ago. Does that change how you will adapt your training schedule and how you will view competition in the future? Because it was an exhibition, really doesn't count for anything. Does that change how you would implement competitions into your training? You know, that's a good
0: question. I think, you know, for me, it's just, analyzing every, every training opportunity, you know, analyzing every comp- competitive opportunity and, and making sure that um, it makes sense in the plan. You know, I think, um, you know, I like the Beat the Streets event. I've competed in there a long time. I've had a lot of great, uh, you know, opportunities to wrestle really good guys. You know, I feel like this year's Beat the Streets was um, I feel like it was kind of a rushed idea. And I felt like, you know, that we, you know, I feel like uh, the matchup resulted in that, you know, and, you know, it's unfortunate to look back and feel like, you know, I missed, a year of my life um you know in an exhibition match but you know it, it everything happens for a reason you know i feel like you know that that I, i've been competing at a super high level for a long time and i've never been hurt i've never taken time off the mat so this is the first time ever you know where i've had time to really kind of take a step back and truly you know reassess training and and you know but you know and a blessing you know we're going to olympic year and my body's healthy, everything, everything's healthy. You know, my whole body's had time to, to get ready to rock and roll. So, you know, it, yeah, it's really unfortunate that I got injured, but you know, I, I believe I'm healthier than anybody going to the trials. So, you know, that's definitely a positive for me.
1: When we spoke in, I think probably late May, when you made your decision that uh, you were going to go through getting yourself ready for 2020 and, and sit the 2019 season out, you were, pretty steadfast in your opinion that you're going to come back a better version of yourself than ever. And you said that earlier in our conversation here, how have you gotten better through this process?
0: Well, I guess that's something that we'll find out in competition here in a couple of weeks, but, you know, I just, I feel, and I truly feel as I've, uh, I'm matured later than most people did, you know, physically. So I, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I, I do believe that I'm just entering my, my peak in terms of, you know, physical, um, you know, maturity and just, you know, they call it man strength, things like that. But I think, you know, I feel like one of my biggest assets has always been just my mind and how I've approached techniques. So I feel like that's given me a different perspective to focus on areas. When you can move yourself away from competition, you can, uh, kind of reevaluate some of the areas that you think are you know important or, or maybe different ways to focus, um, in other, in just other areas. So, um, I, and I just think, you know, you, when, uh, we, we talked about this, you know, I guess the last time we had this interview is sometimes when you take away something that you love and it's just, you almost take it for granted to an extent where you just, Oh, well, I can't wait for the next competition you know, the next practice. But well, when you truly take that away, you know, you really realize how much you love it. And, you know, right now it's like, I can't wait to get back to practice. You know, I've been wrestling, about, you know, for 29 years old, I started wrestling when I was five. So, um, you know, I, I've been wrestling for a long time, and I'm I'm as excited to get to practice every day now as I've ever been in my entire life, you know? And I feel like that right there is a pretty
2: exciting thing for me, um, just to continue to find ways to improve. Did you follow Jaden's decision on his weight class?
0: Yeah, I mean, I saw that he's going to 97 kilos.
2: Is that something that now you analyze it a little bit different that now there's no one in the bracket that has a buy anywhere. It's a just open game. Does that change how you view the Olympic trials?
0: I mean, I think, you know, in the United States right now, we have the best depth we've ever had. I mean, every weight class is, is competitive. You know, I think, um, I think when USA Wrestling put that in place to try and reward, you know, the, the non-olympic weight class guys, you know, I think we all knew that. Okay, well, they got a couple weight classes to choose from, you know. And and I think everyone in this time is going to go where they feel like they have their best, you know, what suits them best, you know. So there's you know, during this year, you know, I, you just you all you can really control is your own preparation, you know. And I think during this time, you know, it would have been, uh, you know, it would have been a waste. It would have been foolish for me to try and predict other people's what their what their habits and things are going to do because that would be taking away from time that I could really. Put into making, trying to make myself better. So you know, I believe that I believe before I was injured that there's no one in the world that could match my six-minute pace, and um, now I've continued to focus on that. And when I get back, I'm going with the same mindset. I'm going to wrestle as hard as I possibly can for six minutes and uh, hold my head high at the end. But typically, you know, when I can put forth you know that type of output for six minutes, good things happen. So that's just really what I'm focused on. David,
1: what has having Kyle Snyder in the Nittany Lion Room with you. What has that done for you? What has it done for him?
0: Just to have someone of that caliber, um, just to be around them. You know, I've, I've you know, early. I think earlier, you know, four, you know, three, four years ago. I guess, really, four years ago. Now, when I went down to the Olympics as a training partner in Rio, just kind of watching Kyle, you know, as young as he was, and just the way he. he approach competition you know just i think i i learned from him you know i just he was just very in, you know just intensity and in his his way he's approached it you know it's pretty exciting and we've become pretty good friends you know since then so you know i think now you know having him on a daily basis you know you know as when we train with each other i mean there it's, it's as intensive competition as anything you know there's not many guys that when we wrestle, we both wrestle high paces and there's not many people that when we wrestle, they're going to engage that type of, uh, you know, they're going to try and wrestle us different. They're going to try and, you know, kind of weather the storm to an extent, you know, when we wrestle each other, we're just like two Rams, button heads, trying to push each other, pushing our conditioning, um, trying to challenge each other in position. So, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm excited to have him. I know his, uh, I know his mindset is to compete for a long time. My my mindset is to compete for a long time, so it'll be exciting just to have him to so know we continue to grow together, you know, in the future. So, you know, obviously, very very excited, very thankful to have him here.
2: My first World Championships was in 2018, just going to live and watching in person. And my first memory of the first match is David Taylor walking out to wrestle. Yazdani and there is absolutely no one in the stands. I thought they forgot to open the doors. You had to walk out there. One of the best matches I've ever seen. What did it feel like walking out to an empty arena?
0: It was crazy. Um you know obviously just having you know you know having that that level of competition, you know, first first match is, uh, you know, you got to just be mentally prepared for it, you know, and I, I kind of talked about that in my preparation, you know, of knowing that, hey, this, this guy, he ran, we drawn in, and I just had prepared that. there. I've never gone to a tournament and had a good draw, so, you know, I always prepare to have the best, the worst draw, you know, who's the guy that's going to be toughest for me to wrestle? Okay, I prepare to have that guy first round, you know, and, and uh, you know, that's really what what happens, you know, when, when that draw came out, and, So the story was, is actually they didn't open the doors. So, um, you know, there was a long line of people out there and the doors weren't open. And the event started, whatever time it started, 10 o'clock, you know, and they would open the doors till after 10. So I think we were in the hole. I think that we were like, or on deck. So we weren't the actual first match up, but we were the second or third match up. And I remember, you know, just like preparing in the back, you know, getting ready, you know, going through my, my routine and, you know, walking out there and just kind of looking at like, wow, there's, there's nobody here. It, but you know, and then our first period was just like, just chaos. Like, I mean, we, we it was six to two. There were tons of scrambles. I was losing going to the break, and then I remember looking up and be like, wow, there's a lot of people here now. So in that three minute period, while well, you know, obviously it's a little, little longer three minutes of breaks and stuff, stuff like that. I mean, the, the and by that second period, um, you know, it, there were people there obviously, and and. Uh, And I will score 11 points straight. So I guess nine points straight. So I'm glad they showed up for the good part and uh, missed some of the bad part.
1: You mentioned looking up in the stands at the break, but what were your thoughts at the break of that period? You know, break of that match because it was, as you mentioned, it was all you after the after the break.
0: I mean, I, I, you know, part of my training is, you know, as much mental. is anything you know just knowing that hey this is a 6 minute match you know uh i could continue to wrestle continue to challenge my opponents and um just continue to put guys in situations and i kind of made a couple silly mistakes you know in that in the first period you know i actually tried to headlock which is obviously not one of my best moves and <laughs> i try to chest lock which again isn't really one of my best moves but you know then yeah, i kind of got back to where where i'm good you know getting the leg attacks creating scrambles and, uh, you know, just kind of kept him wrestling through situations. There were some really key exchanges, um, in that second period. You know, it could have gone either way, you know, and just being able to come out on top in, in those scrambles just obviously just really turned, turned the, turned the outcome of that, of that match. So you know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm looking forward, you know, to the opportunity to wrestle him in the future just because you know, we just, there's not many people when they wrestle with us you know, he or I that come out to battle, you know, they're, they're, they're coming out to try and their best option opportunity to win those matches are to slow the pace down, you know, and when we wrestle each other, we're wrestling our pace plus 20%, you know, it's just, it's, it's just really, it's, I call it when we wrestle, it's like organized chaos. So, you know, that's uh, those are fun matches. We could truly get truly good challenge, your, you know, your, your focus and, you know, ultimately your, uh, you know, your, your gas tank and kind of that, your heart, because that's really what it takes in those kind of matches when you're exhausted.
2: You certainly did have an unbelievably tough draw, but you got the belt, you got the world title, it has to feel good, you went through the gauntlet and you got the world championship.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you you can't really, you know, I, had, I you know, wasn't like I had a great draw and I only had to beat one good guy. It was, I had a tough draw and I beat, you know, good guys consecutively, you know, and that's, it's, where, it's what we train for, you know, I you know, we have great partners, I grab great partners and practice every day, and just continue to challenge myself, and, you know, I look forward to that, you know, I'm a competitor, and I want to rise the occasion, I want to wrestle the best guys, so, it's, uh, you know, I look back, you know, obviously, there's a lot during the time off, you know, I, I just, you know, if, if there were times when I was frustrated, I would just kind of go back, I would watch those matches, and I would remind myself of what it took to get to that point, and um, and to be at, you know, kind of really be at your peak, you know, and then now having to start, having to start over and build your way back up. You know, like, um, you know, I, I, I'm looking forward to it again. You know, I'm looking forward to climbing that mountain. I'm climbing it every single day.
2: Who's your day-to-day coach?
0: <laughs> I mean, I think I have a relationship with all our coaches, but, you know, C- Coach Case Cunningham is kind of who um, I- I've really grown really close with. You know, in college, we wrestled each other. Uh, quite a lot, and uh, you know, since I've been done, you know, he, he travels, made a lot of international competitions, and you know, I feel like we have a really strong bond. You know, not only as coach and athlete, but you know, he's mentor and friend, um, real to me as well. You know, and uh, and I coach his kids. You know, they they wrestle in my club, and you know, having the opportunity to you know the, the things that you know he says to me, I'm able to talk to them about, and he can be their dad. You know, and I think it's pretty awesome. So it's been. uh now our our, our relationship is, is obviously, I think it's much stronger than, uh, than just being my coach. And I know that when I go places and he's in my corner, you know, I believe I can uh, I can achieve, you know, obviously what I'm ready to have. You know, he'll give me the right guidance. And i uh, pretty thankful to have him.
2: We mentioned on last week's show that his wife, Tara, is the only Olympic gold medalist from the United States in weightlifting. Do you <laughs> glean some tips from her on weightlifting? Uh, I'm sorry, you broke up. I said uh, last week on our show we mentioned that Tara, his wife, is the only Olympic gold medalist in U.S. history. Do you ever glean any re- uh, any weightlifting tips from her?
0: Uh, I haven't really, you know, too much. But I mean, she's, I mean, she's incredible. I, she, I mean, you wouldn't. She's such a modest person. You know, you would never, you really would never guess that you know she was an Olympic gold medalist. Um, you know, she's just, she's a great mom. You know, she's constantly like doing everything she possibly can to get her kids to all their practices and competitions. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. So she's, you know, I, 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 uh, I frequently have a conversation with Tara, but most of the time it's just about their kids, you know, and trying to like, you know, see like like you know, whatever it is with practice plans or competitions or, you know, Asher in middle school or, you know, Hayden getting ready for his high school tournaments. And, um, you know, so it's, uh, it's just, it's just interesting, you know, as you, as you get older, you know, I'm still an athlete, but, you know, I, I do balance multiple hats and, you know, one of which I uh, try and be the best coach that I possibly can to be these kids and, you know, try and help in any way that I possibly can. And, you know, t- I feel like you know, I, I try and model myself after great parents, you know, Casey and Tara are, are great parents
2: very few people reach superstar status in wrestling. You have reached that status. What's it like to be there? What's it like to occupy that space of knowing that people really look up to you and that you're a star in wrestling?
0: I mean, I I think one thing that makes wrestling pretty unique is just access to, you know, to the superstars. You know, I think, in a lot of other sports you know they they kind of seem like unrelatable like they're at like different level of you know whatever it may be and I think wrestling you know we I think the guys you know that are, are kind of in that tier are just relatable people um you know I think you know we obviously do the same do the same things everyone else does you know I, we were we were little kids not too long ago just trying to aspire to you know be 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 a state champion or you know be a national champion or go to college so it's like we've been through all those things and I don't think that we forget that stuff you know I think that we're Know involved in the communities, you know, in camps and clinics, or you know, whatever it may be. So, yeah, I'm just I looked up to a lot of people, you know, and they had, you know, my career. You know, I think the Sanderson family, you know, you know, really, Kale, like you know, before he ever knew his impact on me, you know, just was just when I was eight years old, watching him wrestle, and I was just like, he, you know, this guy's different. He doesn't wrestle to have decisions. He's trying to dominate people. And I wanted to wrestle like that. You know, so the impact that he had, you know, before he probably ever even knew it, you know, and then obviously as I became closer with him, um, you know, later in my life and just his guidance, you know, just, there's times when, you know, he's giving me guidance and I didn't even understand the importance of what he was saying until maybe two or three years later. And then I can look back and like, wow, you know, it's just, I'm so thankful, you know, he shared these things or, you know, was what, hard on me in these different ways because, you know he just he cares about me so it's just trying to realize that you know these people have helped my career so much so if there's any way that i can even do a fraction of that that would be fantastic
2: we see so much with youth wrestling the weight cutting and just the obsession with winning championships winning titles wherever it is what's your philosophy on youth wrestling what's the best way to develop a young wrestler so they maximize their experience in wrestling
0: Probably take a lot more than this, uh, this podcast to you know really dig into that one. Um, it is challenging, you know. I, I with being involved, you know, more, I'm, I'm you know, being involved in the U Circuit really heavily, you know. Now, you know, it's constantly trying to weigh those things, you know. It's it was, you know how much, um, you know, how much of you know competing versus practicing, um, you know, to be able to help these guys be the best they can be. Um, but I do think that's different for every kid. You know, there's some kids that are eight years old or 10 years old that, um, that can handle a, lo- a full workload and are hungry and excited to be a practice. And there's some kids that aren't going to be able to do that till they're older, you know? So I think that yeah, everyone kind of hits that at different times. Just you obviously, um, I think, you know, the younger that, you know, parents and coaches put emphasis on, on winning, the long, the, the just really the longer and more difficult that career is going to be for that kid, you know, especially having success young. um, To be able to sustain that for a long period of time, because people get better, they get better coaching, they mature, they get, they become better wrestlers, you know, so to be able to maintain that, you have to continue to be be innovative. So uh, I'd say, you know, the, the biggest deterrent to success is just cutting weight, you know, parents that feel that, for the kid to be successful at a young age, they have to cut weight because I mean that, that burns you out faster than anything, you know, you just want to go wrestle. Um, you know, kids just want to compete. They want to have fun. You know, obviously winning is going to make someone wrestle longer, but you got to balance winning with progression. So, um, you know, I, I don't know what the answer is to that, you know, but I'm trying to, uh, just give it the best guidance that I can, um, on a daily basis. But, you know, ultimately I just think, you know, things that. You know, help kids learning things that are going to be sustainable throughout their wrestling career are really important. You know, there are moves that you can learn when you're young that will help you win, but they're not going to be win long term. So I just think that's something that, uh, you know, coaches and athletes, you know, parents, you know, focusing on things that are for the longevity um, of the sport are probably going to be
2: in their best interest. Did your parents have the right balance <laughs> for your wrestling upbringing?
0: there's times they did and there's, you know, times they didn't, you know, I just think that, um, my, my, my parents didn't know anything different. And when we were getting going, um, there wasn't real, it was kind of like the beginning of the, you know, go everywhere, wrestle all the time, you know, this is the way to be successful. You know? So I think my mom was always the, uh, the one to give me a hug and my dad was always the one that was hard on me. Um, but I have a great relationship. You know, there's a lot of wrestlers don't have a good relationship with their dads. I have a great relationship with my dad. Uh, I wouldn't be where I am without him being hard on me and holding me accountable. You know, I think, um, but ultimately I feel like what was different about my relationship with my dad and the relationships with most kids and their dads and my time was there was never a time that my dad was telling me I had to go do something. I always wanted to go to practice. I always wanted to go to a tournament. I always, Oh, my bag was packed and I was ready to go. I just wanted to compete. So, you, you know, my dad just had to constantly find ways to, to continue to you know, keep me like hungry and motivated. So, you know, in doing so, you know, it just held me to a high standard um, constantly challenged me by wrestling bigger guys and multi age groups and stuff. But, but I wanted to do that. Um, so, you know, but if uh, you know, if my, if my effort wasn't, you know, necessarily where it should be, you know, I you know, he let me know that. But it was it's something that it's a you know, something that I learned then and I learned now. And I believe that my success now is because of my effort, you know, and my attitude and how I approach those things. So, you know, him instilling those things in me young uh have paid paid off long term. So, you know, I'm definitely appreciative. And we had some long drives home after some practices at times, but, you know, I obviously my relationship with my dad was spent traveling, competing, and, you know, being on the road, and, you know, he um, did a good job of, of still enj- making it fun, and we did, we did uh, you know, enjoyed those times, and, you know, that bond that I that built with him, you know, now he's, he's my biggest fan, biggest advocate, you know, of, of, of going and doing what I love to do, so, you know, I wouldn't be here without him.
2: You mentioned earlier that you felt like you're in your peak right now. How much longer can that peak go? Do you feel like you got a few more years in your early 30s that you can keep getting better in wrestling?
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I plan on wrestling 2024, um, you know, and I honestly want to wrestle in 2028. My wife laughs at me when I say that, but I mean, I'm, uh, I mean, I I feel like it's hard to say, you know, right now I got to stay in the moment. Um, you know, I believe I have a great opportunity ahead of me this year in 2020 to achieve something that I've wanted for a really long time, you know, so just got to focus on that and then you evaluate afterwards. But, you know, my intentions right now, 100% committed to wrestling through 2024. So um, I think my my style isn't really built on, you know, speed and strength, you know, it, it's, it's, it's technical based. And I think, you know, technique lasts a long time, you know, as you get slower, you're not a strong, you know, good technique will last. So, you know, I think, you know, in having the, the science with coach Cal and, uh, you know, his, you know, the way that he can continue to, um, you know, help me be at the best and, and it great have great output. And as long as I want to continue to go through the pain of, of working out and training and, and sacrificing, um, you know, I, I want to keep wrestling. Wrestling is the greatest job in the world.
1: David, we've been talking about the 2020 trials on this show for probably two plus years. You're in the heart of it all, there in State College. What's the buzz like leading up to this tournament in a month?
0: I think it's excitement. You know, I I truly believe that the sessions are going to be sold out. Um, I think there's going to be a great, a great fan base there. You know, we have a really good, educated fan base here at Penn State, and I think you know, obviously throwing in you know all the people that want to travel around the country. to come in and watch great wrestling. I mean, you're going to, I try and explain to people, you know, what the Olympic trials are. And it's, it's like, take the best match you can think of. And then you throw that in the first round. And then you're going to have a quarter and a semi and a final after that. And then the best two out of three. So, I mean, it's just, it's great wrestling. Um, from a fan perspective, I went, um, in 2004 to the Olympic trials and they're in Indianapolis. And I remember watching that level of wrestling. It's been like, it's You know, just amazed, like, you know, just these, just the intensity and what's on the line, you know, you realize, you know, it is a life-changing event. So it's going to be pretty special. Obviously a lot of emotion uh, will be put into it. Um, But it's been, you know, this is a culmination of of our life's work, you know, and it's a matter of going out and enjoying the process and having some fun.
1: When do you start zeroing in on possible opponents that you might face in that bracket?
0: Well, right now I'm just focusing on qualifying the weight at the Pan Ams and, uh, you know, then, and, and preparing the best of my ability for the Olympic trials and going out there. And I, I believe I'm in a great spot. I'm prepared to go out and, uh, and wrestle to the best of my ability. And at this point, that's all I can control.
2: I'd like you at the Olympic trials, your first match, just go out there, double overs, and just launch whoever you th- you're wrestling. Just give the crowd what they want, David.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think we're talking to the wrong guy. That's not my student. But I can tell you what. I can tell you I'll probably shoot a lot, and uh, I'll do my best to score a lot of points.
2: Well, it's going to be a lot of fun. This is fun having you on the show. All the best as you work toward the Olympic trials. It's really like no other. Six weight classes, as we've talked numerous times, shrinking down from ten. But you've been in that Olympic weight class. And it's going to be fun to watch you compete in state college. So all the best.
0: Yeah. Thank you guys. Thanks for the time. And uh, I'm looking forward to as much as you guys are. So thanks.
2: This is David Taylor. He is attempting to make the Olympic team 2020 at 86 kilograms. More insight from David Taylor. We had him on, I don't know what a couple years ago, a year and a half ago. Yeah, I think like right around the world
1: cup time, 2018 world cup. And in I Iowa City.
2: yeah, I don't remember him Ever telling that story about coming out to the empty arena and Yazdani, that was a, a it's because we
1: hadn't had him. He hadn't done it yet, Kyle. Well, that's why he didn't
2: tell it the last time we were, but I just had never (laughs) heard him talk about it like in in any point. So I try to follow that with him. So it was uh, fun to hear about what went through his head and it kind of matched. What we thought, too. That that was so bizarre. It was one of the weirdest things, because in my head, I just keep going back to it. I just thought, ah, they're probably going to start about an hour late, and then they didn't. out comes David Taylor, Yazdani, and it was an empty arena, and then it got more as you went along, but fun to hear his thoughts about it. Fun to see him at the Olympic Trials. Any additional thoughts from you, Andrew, as we think about the 2020 Olympic Trials, which will be on Track Wrestling? Man, it's almost a shame that these things are so jam-packed
1: so close together because we've got our attention like in four different places right now, maybe more than that, with all the things that we've got uh, coming up on our platform. Conference tournament weekends, NCAA championships, Olympic trials. Before that, Pan Am qualifiers, Pan Am championships, so much going on right now. Folkstyle Nationals,
2: did that? style Nationals, okay. <laughs> you know, serious style Nationals. So tons of stuff. Check them out. All on track wrestling for Andrew Hamilton. I'm Kyle Klingman. You have been listening to on the mat.
0: is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling
2: podcasts,
1: head over to matttalkonline.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and community safe.